Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, we can't talk about the Packers' current quarterback situation without taking a moment to reflect on what their former quarterback did this weekend. He was at the Derby with some current and former teammates. Some are both former and current teammates. Style. Oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. Looks like a lot Cohiba there, Mike. That looks like a Cohiba there. That was like, a, that is a Cohiba. Right? That is a Cohiba, possibly, uh, possibly from Havana. And there is uh, Devontae. There was a there were plenty of photos of wow. uh, Rodgers and his crew enjoying a fine cigar. I thought there were no no smoking rules that were like pretty much everywhere in the world right now. I was surprised to see so much open smoking of cigars. Maybe I have to go to this Kentucky Derby yeah. thing after all. If you're allowed to smoke cigars there, well, so, yeah, uh, let's yeah, do it. Why didn't you go? We, we you were don't trying even to watch. We were, Get your butt there. Let's, let's do it next let's. year. Let's let's not start back down that path. <laughs> Put that photo up. Did we figure out who everyone is in this photo? No, I don't think Rogers so, but I'm group. more intrigued on why we you don't want to go down the road. <laughs> yeah. AJ Hawk, right. far left. Right. Matt Flynn, right. next to him. Yes. Jimmy Graham in the straw hat. Man, he went back to Devontae a basketball Adams. player. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Lazard. There's there's the king. Right. Not dead center. I'm surprised the king isn't dead center. That's a faux pas by Alan Lazard. Randall Cobb next to him. I don't know who that is. Mm, I'm not sure next either. Next to Cobb. And who's that? I on don't the- know who that is next to the guy who I don't know that is. That's David Bakhtiari wearing shorts to the K- Kentucky Derby. Good Lord, David Bakhtiari. Right. And then I don't know who the other guy is down in front. I, I, wa- uh, I know that guy uh, on the uh, bottom left. I just can't think of his name. I know I've seen that face. And this isn't the Derby, though. This must be a party the day before, right? Is it, it, It's the whole the whole experience. The whole, yeah, yeah the right, whole right. Because Rodgers is wearing maroon there. I think he was wearing navy blue, right? Hey, it was cool. It was, oh, my gosh, that's Bakhtiari's brother. Which, what's, which, who is it? It's another it's his brother Andrew. Oh, Andrew. Other Bakhtiari. Gosh. Oh my gosh. So that... we have Bakhtiari bookends. Yes. Holy cow. That's crazy. That's that's crazy. That's that's unbelievable. Right. All right. So wait. I forgot where I was going there, but I I totally got blanked out there and lost my. We've train of so thought. we've identified everyone except oh, right. the the two on the far right. The the guy on the the very far right looks like either a football player or a pro wrestler. The guy next to him, I don't know who it is. I sorry, have no we, idea. We, sorry, two guys on the end. We don't know who you are, uh, and you don't know who we are, so we're even. Oh, one is a guy named Edward Barry, who is, uh, I guess, Rogers' agent. Uh, so, all right, now we know. There's oh. another Bakhtiari. Yes, there is. The, the big guy is another Bakhtiari. There's three Bakhtiaris. There the Bakhtiari is. bunch. There is. There's three Bakhtiaris, and you know what's horrible is I played with one of them in Tennessee. And I'm sitting here going, wait, which one did I play with here? I'm all messed up. I can't, I can't, I can't figure it out. I'm trying to figure out what it is. It's horrible that I've become 
that old now to where I'm like, wait, I can't remember which well, one I played with back in 2008. This is just a wild guess, but given that the one who's crouching looks like a normal-sized human and the one at the far right looks like he just came down a beanstalk, my <laughs> wild guess is going to be that's the one you played with. You think it? Okay. All right. You're right. There we and, go. Good. It made me says, feel better. I'm right. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, when in doubt, when it comes to identifying guys who played football, when in doubt, go with size. Okay. But why? Let's go to the Derby next year. Let's go. I mean, did you see Mahomes there? He looked good. Okay. He had everybody get right, up on fine. your horses. Fine. You could smoke your cigars. We'll fine. have some drinks. The 150th anniversary of the Derby. I- I do have some constructive criticism for Patrick Mahomes. I did notice this when he was doing his riders up. And I don't know if it's a fashion statement. No, he just didn't pull his tie up. When when you wear a tie, dude, dude, it's got to be snug to the top of your collar or you look like you're in first grade. Uh, he knows it just that? it must have came down as the day went on you're hugging people hello whatever it gets loose and nobody it's told time him. to do riders up nobody told i know it's nobody to, it's you know easy he, to pull it back up i know i know well he doesn't wear suits a lot so he can't be perfect in everything he still nailed it once he talked in the mic but you're right i noticed that as well <laughs> all right uh meanwhile there were rookie mini camps in various cities and uh, in Green Bay, not a rookie at starting quarterback, but it feels like he's a rookie because he's never been the full-time starter before. Jordan Love, some praise being thrown his way, starting with Coach Matt LaFleur. Watching him last year, I think Jordan has made huge strides. I also saw LaFleur gave a ton of credit, and there's a certain irony in this, and I assume I'm using the word correctly, even though I never quite know. Tom Clements, the quarterback's coach, who was brought back to the team in 2022 at the behest of Aaron Rodgers, has become the quarterback whisperer for Jordan Love. This is a guy who now spans Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and Jordan Love. And he was specifically brought back because Rodgers wanted him back, and now he's the guy who is unlocking the potential of Jordan Love. And if Love becomes great, in part because of Tom Clements, it just makes it Beautiful and perfect that he's back because Rodgers wanted him back. Yeah, no, but I mean, it, and listen, it's a great thing, I think, for the Packers organization and Jordan Love and Tom Clements. I mean, yeah, there's a reason who he is who he is and, you know, his ability to communicate, talk to quarterbacks, you know, as we always talk about, make him, make him feel like, hey, he's, he's a part of this with you. He's in the game with you. You know, that, that's what a great quarterback coach does. And let alone he's got some experience and – bringing along a young guy in this type of situation like he did with Rodgers. So here it is. And, you know, I think where guys like Tom Clemens can really, you know, come in handy for young quarterbacks, it's a lot, right? You got a lot being thrown at you. Even Jordan Love has been around the league here a little bit. Still, this is new to him. And, whoa, I'm in control of everything. And a great quarterback coach like that can can simplify things. Hey, just you know, hey, just worry about this today. Hey, let's just worry about footwork today. And then he'll build his confidence that way and get his mindset and everything in the right spot to where he can play and, and play to his utmost abilities and hopefully succeed that way. And that's that's where it seems like Tom Clements has got the the magic touch that way. You know, I keep thinking about that contract that Jordan Love did last week, and I've yeah. seen a lot of criticism of Love for taking that deal folks he was due to make like 2.4 million this year with no security no guarantee no anything beyond this season and now he's getting 15 million guaranteed over the next two years i mean cut the kids some slack he hasn't earned any money i mean you know we again we all want people to bet on themselves when it's not our money yeah we do you say you anyone out there who has criticized jordan love for taking this deal you say no to 10 million dollars that may never be there ever again. That may be gone for good. Right. You know, I it's it's very it's very. I mean, I'm I'm a big bird in the hand guy, and uh, yeah, I like it as much as anyone when someone bets on himself. But it's still got to be the result yeah. of a prudent decision. And sometimes the best bet on yourself is to not make the bet. That's right. I, I think he he did the right thing. I'm with you too. I'd rather have that cash in hand. 
I mean, so what? You get the money this year. You get a you know sweetener there. You protect yourself with something. Hey, and I'm a guy here in a blue shirt to tell you, oh, yeah, you, you can do that, and something can go wrong. And you go, wait, I wish I would have said yes to the $10 million, right? So, yeah, you take that. And let's not forget, too, Mike, he plays good this year. He starts off next year playing good, too. They'll be down the lines of let's do a new contract, and that'll all be gone anyways. So, you know, that that's what he's hoping for. But I'm, I'm with you all the way there. That was the smart decision by him. Whatever Aaron Rodgers may want to say about the front office of the Green Bay Packers, and there are plenty of points he has made effectively right. over the years. One thing he can't say is that they fail to take care financially of a great quarterback. They will pay you yeah. if you are good. Right. They paid him. Yes. They will pay they paid Brett Favre. They will pay Jordan Love if he becomes the guy that they want him to be. That will not be an issue. That will not be a factor. This is insurance against the possibility that Jordan Love may not have it. Nobody knows. Yeah. He doesn't know. Right. We don't know. So he's got ten million dollars or more just hanging there? I think it'd be stupid to not take it. All of these decisions come back to what would you have your son do? You walk away from $10 million plus when there's no guarantee for anything beyond this year. So anyway, it just, I see that and it irritates me because I think that it almost becomes an extension of the entertainment we derive from the sport. We derive entertainment from the business dealings. Let's watch them risk it here. Right. And we'd like, let's, let's, let's see him put the Packers in check. Yeah. Let's see another Daniel Jones situation and we'll have a great story to cover because what are they going to do? Are they going to franchise tag them? Are they going to get a deal done? Is somebody going to swoop in? I mean, at a certain point, let's set aside our own desire for the stories we want to cover and say, guy did the right thing for himself. That's right. Guy made the right decision. Yeah. The guy's getting paid money that the Packers didn't have to pay him. They were just faced with a choice between picking up a fifth-year option or not. And, yeah, they used the leverage of not picking up the fifth-year option to get him to take less than what the fifth-year option would have been. But it's the closest thing to a win-win, and it gives the kids some protection. So I'm fine with it, um, even though it, it definitely would have been a better story if they had not picked up the fifth-year option and Jordan Love would have been in a contract year. Uh, meanwhile, I, 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 I don't want to make a big deal about this, yeah. but I did just think it was odd that Aaron Rodgers' locker is immediately reissued to Sean Clifford, the quarterback they drafted out of Penn State. I know it's not like you can take a locker out of service. Yeah, you can though. I, I mean, you got to use the space, yeah, right? I, I, you're right. I, mean, I don't want you. Do you make it a shrine? Well, for yeah. What do you do with his locker? I know. It, it, it. Certain teams, I think, have different ways of doing it. I, you know, I think a lot of times with quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, sometimes uh, a player of that magnitude, there's a grace period where maybe no one does actually touch that locker for a little bit. Maybe they go the year. Maybe they wait the spring out. And start back when it's training camp. Okay, now we're back in the building that way. I don't think it's anything personal. Also, too, this time of the year where it does become hard, and I can speak to experience, is there's 90 guys on a team, right? Locker rooms, mainly, especially the really nice ones, aren't made to have 90. A lot of these facilities or or stadium locker rooms, they were built in like, oh, wait, it's going to be a 53-man roster. So we don't need too many more lockers than that. So 90 really throws things for a loop for a period of time inside of an NFL facility, and I, I would bet you that's part of the issue as well, Mike. All in all, I tend to think the Packers are going to be better than people realize. I agree I with you there. Win more games than people expect, yeah. and I think that they are a real contender to win that division, and this is an opportunity for Matt LaFleur to really come into his own as a coach. He has done well caught in the middle of this weird, bizarre dysfunction between Rodgers and the front office, and now that's gone. He can coach the team fully and completely the way he wants to without having to tiptoe around anyone, and I think it's going to show in the performance of the team, yeah, starting with I, Jordan I do Love. Too. I'm with you there. The, the, the defense, I still think, we know it didn't play as good as we thought it would last year, but there's still a lot of talent. That O-line's solid. They drafted some young tight ends. We know those receivers are damn good on the outside. They got good running backs. They're they're coached well. There there's no reason to think that you know the Packers are going to fall off here. You know, it's just about how good can they be, and I think a lot of that is dependent on the consistent play they can get from Jordan Love at the quarterback position. 
the rookie quarterback who's going to get the most attention, the guy who was the first overall pick, despite the fact that his size defies the prototypes and it becomes a calculated risk by the Carolina Panthers. That's Bryce Young. Peter King had fascinating anecdote in his Football Morning in America column. Now, last week we played for you Scott Fitterer, the GM of the team, explaining the light bulb moment for him came when they had dinner with Bryce Young the night before his pro day workout. Frank Reich, the coach of the team, had a different moment where it crystallized in his mind that Bryce Young was the guy. And, Chris, I don't know if you've seen this, but we're going to show the play in a second. But Reich said that it was during the what they call the 30 visit, where you can bring in 30 guys, up to 30 guys who aren't local products, bring them in for an extensive visit pre-draft. They had Bryce Young in, and there was an obscure play from his true freshman year, late in a game against Tennessee, right. up 48-17 Alabama was, pure and complete garbage time, but there was something that Reich saw in this moment. He called for a five-man slide, and also that's Najee Harris to the sidecar right there. Najee Harris watching for a blitzer. Adjusted the protection, slid the line, saw that the pressure was coming from that side. The potential blitzer on the right side bailed out, made the right call, and Reich was so impressed with how he did it calmly and smoothly and nonchalantly, and it showed him in that moment. Now, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but it convinced Reich in that moment this kid's got the brain to be a high-level NFL quarterback because, as Reich put it, plenty of guys who have played in the NFL can't do what Bryce Young did in that very early in his college career moment. Yeah, it's special. It is. As a, you know, as a freshman, right? And that's not just like your normal you know, run-of-the-mill, oh, hey, this is some basic defense or this is really obvious, right? It shows his ability to be cool and calm and clutch in a heated situation. It shows his ability to take the coaching that he heard all that week and now being able to apply that on the field, but listening to those rules, being able to comp, you know, uh, you know, compartmentalize those little things there for when you need it at a certain part of the game. So to do that as a young football player – pick it up perfectly, and then, guys, if we play the play again, too, two, like, looks to his left to look as the play goes, so he gets the protection all set up and everything in the right way, which, as we said, is is very impressive, but then looks to the left as in going to play the three-man concept, right? I think not exactly sure the coverage he's going to get, and then just seamlessly moves back to the right once he realizes, wait, I have one-on-one on the back side. Let me throw that. So here he is. He sees the blitz. He kind of looks like he's checking the safeties. And then he gets back over to the right, slides appropriate in the pocket. That's where you know we get into the conversation. He's a natural that way. You know, it's not going to be, oh, wow, look at that throw or, you know, oh, wow, he stuck in the pocket, stood in the pocket forever and took a big shot and threw a laser down the middle. No, it's going to be more beating you with answers that are given him within the offense and then his ability to apply that on the field with his slick releases, his quick releases and his extremely quick, you know, mental capacity there. And uh, let's show that again, because there was something else that I noticed um, and, and this is part of what you have to be looking for on the fly as a quarterback, but I think he got a clue that his hunch was correct because go ahead and play it. You can see that a guy comes up on the left side of the screen as if he's going to, to blitz, and right. that was what prompts it. But yes. there's a guy creeping up on the right too, but once the adjustments start, who backs out? Yes. Who backs out? Watch. The guy on the right backs out. That tells him that guy's faking it. Yes. That guy's faking Definitely. it. The other guy's the one who's coming. So he knew that slipping it to the left was the right way. Because really, if that guy had, had yeah, been the one who screwed. blitzed, he just pushed the he's, – he's done. He yeah. just sent his protection away from that guy. Right. That's when, that's when he's going to have to you – know, and he'll have to know that. He'll have to keep his eye there. He knows that's his vulnerable spot. But, again, that's the beauty of a Bryce Young. You give him answers – he can apply it the right way on the football field, and he does it easily. Right, and then he takes all those little context clues you just talked about, right, where the guy on the right, yeah, just didn't look like he was sold on coming. The guy on the left was drooling and almost jumped off sides because he couldn't wait to come, right? Those are the things as a quarterback you take into account and go, well, oh, they just gave it away. There's the tell that Mike Fulria talks about and the poker hand or whatever else. They just gave me the tell. Let's slide it over there. Makes the call, makes a great throw, and Yes, that's what I think everybody loves about Bryce Young. 
Uh, that right there, he's been coached like a pro. He ran an intricate pro offense at a college level, and the offensive minds that were looking for quarterbacks, I think we're all impressed with the fact that, hey, I could give this guy as much offense as I got, and he's going to be able to, to handle it all. And, you know, that was one of the other things that Fitterer said last week as it relates to any size and weight concerns. They have the confidence he's going to get rid of the football before he takes the big hits. He's going to be smart enough to live to play another day. And, uh, you know, once he gets hit one time by an NFL caliber defensive lineman or linebacker or strong safety, that'll be the message. Don't put yourself in that position again. Be smart. And I'm not saying that guys who fail to do it aren't smart. There's a higher level of mental acuity, I think, that comes into play here where you can, in that moment, set aside your competitiveness, the desire to make a play. I mean, we see guys struggle with that all the time, Chris. We see guys lose that battle of the smart thing, Versus the thing that my testosterone is trying to get right. me to do. Right. That, that's, the thing my yeah. testosterone is trying to get me to do is going to get me in trouble. Yeah. The thing my brain is trying to get me to do is going to keep me on the field for my teammates, for my coaches, for my team, and for myself. Yeah, that's it. That's right. And that's where he's got to, you know, manage manage all of that. Live to play another day, as John Gruden would tell me sometimes. Sometimes the throwaway is the only play. Sometimes the defense wins, right? You got to be able to kind of balance all of that and then know when to push the limits of, wait, I need to kind of maybe hang in the pocket here or whatever. But to your point, you want a guy that's going to limit the amount of times he can be in those vulnerable positions because you're never going to be able to go scotch-free, okay, as they say on the streets, all right? You'll never be able to go scotch-free. But because even, you know, like we talk about, Brady's seen it all, right? And we saw Brady get hit and they get tricked. Like, you're not going to be able to figure it all out all the time. But you want to limit that as much as possible so you're not in harm's way too much. Chicago Bears trying to get the most out of Justin Fields as a passer. He's already become the most dangerous running threat in all of football. Now, over the weekend, he went to Ohio State to pick up his degree, continued his studies, even though he left school early. So congratulations to him for that. In his absence, the Bears were gushing about where he is now. Here is offensive coordinator Luke Getze on the strides that Fields is making as it relates to uh, his overall throwing abilities. As we evaluated Justin um, from last year, I think the the growth from where, you know, everybody, in, in including yourselves, like how the way you viewed the guy and the way the team viewed the guy to where where he was at this time last year to where he is now, I think it just is, is light years ahead of where it was. And we feel like he has a, a, a ton more to grow going forward. So we're excited to try to get that, the best out of him moving forward and uh, keep working to where we think he can go. I mean, look, the the running is undeniable. It's incredible. It's Mike Vick level. Right. It's amazing. Yep. When he tucks the ball down and takes off, it's like once per game, there's a 60-yard run That's right. by Justin Fields. Right. And now the challenge is to take that threat and use that to leverage him into a passing posture that allows him to become as good of a thrower as he is a runner. And if he ever puts the two ends together – He's a top five franchise quarterback in the NFL. So one of the current franchise quarterbacks going to have to take a take a step aside and make room for Justin Fields. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, the, the talent's real. I mean, we, we know that the physical ability, like you said, you know, his ability to run, his his stature as a human being. I mean, he's he's built like a, a Greek god, like we talk about all the time. You know, that that's where he is awesome. And yes, we saw potential and everything he did running the football last year. And we saw progress passing the football, definitely, right? Is it perfect? No. It's the next step. It's got to happen this year. You know, yeah, it was, hey, it's, it's second year in a system. We expect growth there. We also know the way he played with his hair on fire last year running, he takes too many hits. He's got to be careful with that. And then, like, as much as those highlights and everything was awesome, it still was 3-14. and 14. So... Now we got to start, wait, throwing the ball, making decisions to win some of these games where you make a good run or whatever else that's on the highlight shows and everything like that. I think that's what we got to see from Justin Fields. And I think that's still, like, we saw progress, 
but I still think it's a debatable thing. And I think uh, we know it's a debatable thing. There's a reason people talked about, oh, maybe the Bears will trade away the first pick and draft Bryce Young. You know, there's a lot of people in football that think if Bryce Young was 6'2", they would have traded the first pick, uh, traded, I mean, kept the first pick and traded away Justin Fields. Excuse me, I misspoke there. So, you know, that tells you there is more that, to be had there. And we're going to see this is going to be a big year because they put the support around him now to where you go, no, we, we should see considerable progress in that department. And that's where I'm interested to see what Justin Fields has this year. That would have been a hell of a gamble by the Bears, and that would have put a ton of extra pressure on Bryce Young. That right. was my argument at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's a tough When one. the talk first started, right. look, you have a winning lottery ticket in Justin Fields. It's up to you to get the most out of that ticket because he's shown he can play. you got to develop him as a passer, and you got to put help around him. But if you trade that in and you make Bryce Young the successor to Justin Fields, he's immediately got to be as good as Justin Fields or it's a failure. It's right. all a failure. right. And it, that, that would have been a hell of a risk. I, I think they should be considering themselves fortunate that they didn't do that and that they're going to see what they have in Justin Fields. This is a team that's still looking for a true franchise quarterback for the first time since Sid Luckman. And maybe they have it in Justin that's Fields. That's right. I, I'm glad they're letting it I'm play out to I'm see what you. they have right. and don't have in Justin Fields. Right. Okay. Uh, the Colts. The Colts went all in in a different way. The, the Colts go for the highest ceiling. And that's what Anthony Richardson by far could have if it all works out for him. He was in Indianapolis this weekend. Let's hear a little bit from Richardson on getting accustomed to his new NFL city. I haven't really explored as much. You know, I went to Walgreens. Uh, <laughs> I, I, went, yeah, I went to Walgreens to get some stuff, but I haven't really explored as much. And you know, I'm just focused on uh, diving into the playbook and getting on my teammates. But um, not many people recognize me yet. You know, it feels good just to walk in Walgreens and grab some deodorant and soap. But, um, you know, it just feels good to be here, and I'm excited to explore more. I've been there, done that. Get to Indy for the combine, walk down to Walgreens, get what you need for the hotel room. <laughs> That's uh, I can relate to that. But, uh, hey, Indy's a great town, and they'll take to Anthony Richardson. They've been waiting for someone who can end this revolving door, the post-Andrew Luck revolving door of veterans that they've gotten one year too late. And, uh, you know, they, they should temper their expectations. But at the same time, there's reason to just kind of, you know, be a little toward the edge of the seat every time he's got the football because it's going to be a great show. Yeah. See what he can do at this level, right. how he interacts with the other players, and and if he can reach that potential that, I really do believe would have had the Colts take him number one overall if they'd had that pick. Well, I, I hear you. If you're a team that's about potential, then he, he, he he's you know justified to be in that number one pick conversation. You know, just just like we talked about a little bit with with Justin Fields, and of course what we've seen done with Jalen Hurts. We're going down that same road here with Anthony Richardson, a super talented guy. They're going to run that offense. There's some rawness to his passing ability that needs to be fixed. But I think in, like ultimately he's a more natural passer, has a more natural motion than Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts, in my opinion. So we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Like you said, uh, th I, I think they're going to hit the ground running. They're going to formulate this offense around him. We're going to see him play. They're going to use his legs. And like we've talked about, they'll slowly bring him along in the passing department, just like we saw Shane Steichen do with Jalen Hurts over the last two years and, you know, what Luke Getzey's trying to do with Justin Fields there in Chicago. So uh, I'm hopeful. But, damn, the kid's impressive, and everybody talks about his presence and his ability to, you know, take in the information he's taught. I think that really blew people away in the draft process. And, uh, man, he says all the right things when he's behind that microphone. I know that. I'm a big believer in just throwing guys into the fray. The sooner they play, the yeah. sooner the game slows down. I am cognizant of the possibility, and I think the Zach Wilson misadventure has caused me to be a little more cautious about it because you still have to believe he's ready. Right. You can't just throw him in there if right. he's not ready. You have to believe he's ready. And that's a call that only the coaching staff can make in Indianapolis. But I think if they believe he's ready, why hesitate? Yes. If he's not ready, that's a different issue. But if you think he can protect himself and he can process the information and he can unleash his skills and he can do it in a way that doesn't set him back, then then go for it. I, I'm just I'm hesitant. I used to be 
all the time. If you're going to use a draft pick on a guy that high, then yes, you're going to use him. Because if you're not willing to use him, then draft somebody else. That's the way the NFL is now. It's every year. You don't have a five-year plan. You draft a guy, you use a guy at the top of round one. Now I'm a little more cautious after what we've seen in recent years, and I would, I would at least say the Colts have to make an objective, neutral, dispassionate decision. Yeah. Is this guy ready? But right. if he is, if you come to the conclusion, yes, he is, then by all means, get him out there. Yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, that school of thought you know, right there. And, and, and I think, too, he's got two guys behind him that are very smart to be able to figure that out. And Shane Steichen, and again, what he saw, not only with Justin Herbert, you know, three, four years ago when he was there as a young quarterback, but what he's learned from Jalen Hurts. You got a Chris Ballard there, who I think is also extremely aware and doesn't want to put the guy in in, in unfamiliar or, you know, tough situations as a player. But again, that's where I think, you know, it's the perfect fit. It's again, let's start it now. You know, well, why even start with anything in the Gardner Minshew offense? Let's start formulating this damn team around Anthony Richardson and what you're going to do with him and those quarterback design runs and things like that. And the threat of him running, like we always talk about, with simplify defenses and allow him a little wiggle room to grow as a thrower. I think they'll manage him the right way. I could see the Colts kind of being a pain in the ass, even with a rookie quarterback. You know, that line, I think it's going to have a bounce back year. You know, they still got a damn good running back. We know that. And that defense is good, right? So I, I, I don't put them out of the mix here, even if Anthony Richardson's playing. They'll play a defense, ball control, run the ball type of game, and I could see them being a real pain in the butt playing that way. I just feel like there's an organizational fatigue that sets in when you go Phillip Rivers and you know it's a year, Carson Wentz, yeah. and it becomes pretty clear early on it's only going to be a year, right. Matt Ryan, and it's not even half of a year. To have something fresh and yeah, new yeah. and lasting. Right, right. That you can build around. That's right. It, it, it gets the arrow pointing up for the Colts, and I think it energizes the entire organization. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Two potent interior defensive linemen in the New York area wanted new contracts. One has gotten one. We'll get you up to date on that when PFT Live continues right after this. The G Bad. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, a lot of guys was calling me. My phone was going crazy. Uh, I was, I was, <laughs> I was playing uh, NBA 2K. That <laughs> um, was part of my celebration, but. Um, my phone was going crazy. I was, you know, uh, I got back to as many people as I could. Um, everybody was excited for me, and you know, you know, I'm just ready to go. Hey, I can get behind the idea of celebrating the new contract by playing NBA Dexy, 2K. Dexy, baby. It's cheap. It's safe. It's prudent, and it sets you up for your next contract. Doing all the right things, checking all the right boxes, getting things done. 
given Kirk Cousins nightmares on fourth and eight. Yeah. With the season on the line. Ruining Floria's dreams of Super Bowl. Yes. Get out of here. We love sexy Dexy. Oh, oh, like, like the Vikings, like the Vikings were destined to go to the Super Bowl last year. If they had just gotten past the Giants who got destroyed the following week by the Eagles. Yeah. That, that, that worked out well for you guys. That's the guy that kept. Yeah. 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 Look, that was, I said all year long, I do 15 minutes with Paul Allen on KFA and voice the Vikings every Wednesday morning. I said, the ceiling on this team is to get their ass kicked in the divisional round. That is the absolute best case scenario for this team. Come up against the Eagles or the 49ers and get destroyed in the divisional round. That's it. That's the best case scenario. And they didn't get there. They only lost barely at home. And, and, you know, I guess for some fans like, oh, boy, if we just would have won that game. No, if you just would have won that game, you would have gotten the crap kicked out of you the following week. That's the solace that you take from that. Yeah, no. I, thanks I, to Dexter. Lawrence. Yeah, thanks to Dexter Lawrence, who, yeah, I mean, deserves to be paid the way he's getting paid here. What, four years, $90 million, right? He's, again, I think uh, the new breed of the NFL, I think the whole – you know, scouting world, NFL, everybody's opening their eyes to wait. There's value in these 330, 340-pound guys that are coming in the NFL right now that, okay, maybe it's not the sexiest always in college because they don't disrupt and they're asked to do different things. But you're seeing between this guy and Jordan Davis and, you know, Chris Jones or whatever, their ability to push the pocket. And there's more athleticism to be unleashed than what they get to show in college a lot of the times. Uh, These guys, are they're special. There ain't too many human beings walking around Earth that are 6'5", 340, and can move the way Dexter Lawrence does, and then let alone has, like, incredible power and athletic ability to go off of it. This is a staple of the Giants' defense. He's the best player on the Giants' defense. It's the Wink Martindale, Baltimore Ravens style of defense. We know they like big people and big asses, and Dexter's got one of the biggest ones to go with that. So I think from, like, every facet, this makes sense that the Giants got this done, and they got one of the better interior D-lines in football with him and and uh, Leonard Williams, Mike. Four years, $90 million. That's the extension, basically the Deron Payne deal that uh, was done earlier this year between him and the Commanders when Payne was franchise tagged. Look, we, we've talked about this before. There's a cluster of Jeffrey Simmons, Deron Payne, now Dexter Lawrence. Yeah. And then there's Aaron Donald, who sits high and above that cluster by seven, eight million per year. And that's where Quinnen Williams, I think, comes into play. Mm. The Jets defensive lineman, who has been staying away like Dexter Lawrence was from offseason workouts, trying to get that new contract, the contract he has earned. Reportedly, the two sides are not close on an extension. Joe Douglas, GM of the Jets, says he's optimistic and hopeful about reaching an agreement. I can't help but wonder whether or not Quinnen is trying to get closer to Aaron Donald than that cluster of Simmons and Payne and Lawrence. I, I, that seems to be the, the the obvious thought, right, Mike? I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I kind of think the same thing, too. Like, where's the disconnect here? You know, and, and, you know, you look at, like you talked about, Javon Hargrave, Deron Payne, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, Quinton Williams right in that group. You know, he might have had a better year than some of those guys last year, but he hasn't had a better career than a lot of those guys were talking there right there. So I, I can't imagine him logically being able or, or asking for much more than what Jeffrey Simmons is getting and think you're going to get that, let alone I can understand the Jets going, wait, 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 Quinton, you've been really good, but last year was like, you know, really your first stellar year. You know, Jeffrey Simmons has been in the all-pro conversation like every year of his career. You know, that's where I could see the Jets being a little bit like, wait, you don't get Aaron Donald money. We're not exactly sure you've outperformed Dexter Lawrence or Jeffrey Simmons or Javon Hargrave or Deron Payne. So that that is the interesting part to me, Mike, is what is he asking? Um, I, I would think they come and figure something out here. They need Quinn and Williams if they want to be a legit AFC team. There was a time in the NFL, and this was years ago, where there was a concern, I think, that once you paid an interior defensive line yeah, and sure. paid money, right. you could expect a dip. Right. And and I, it, it was, it's kind of like, 
you know, they, they become so laser focused on getting that contract. They're impervious to the pain and the stress and the wear and tear of that position. And once you get paid, yeah, you relax. Like, this really hurts. Right. Like, like I, I, I'm getting too old for this crap. Now, Aaron Donald has defied that. Uh, he just gets better and better. But it's not an easy position to play. You're constantly being hit from every possible angle by the offensive lineman. You, you, you know, your your glory is in chewing up as many blockers as possible, someone so someone else can go make the play. the The primary stat for your position even isn't even an official stat. Right. They able to f up the play. Right. You know, you you yeah. Hey, you create havoc, and then they just run right around you, and it doesn't show up anywhere in the overall stat sheet. It's it's a thankless job. It is. And uh, uh, I, 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 I can understand why there's only so many years a guy can do it at a high level. And that may be part of the concern when it comes to paying these guys. How many years can you really do it? Can anyone do it at a high level? Yeah, well, it, it is a special guy. And, the, you know, you raised the right questions at that position too. You know, I think there's a lot of things that go into factor. And, and to play that position, you know, like I talk about all the time, oh, linemen are kind of cows, right? And then, you know, the D, D tackles, in my experience, are kind of the, the bulls that are they're angry and they're ready for anything. That's the way the good ones are. They love football. They can flip a switch and get angry in a hurry because you have to be a little bit because like what you're talking about. It's, oh, wait, guy's blocking me down from this way. Oh, I got two guys blocking me, and then somebody else takes a cheap shot on me while they're doing that. I mean, it's, it's, it is a thankless job. And you have to be, like, you know, special, not only physically tough, but, of course, like, hey, your job is, like, Think about what they're being asked. Hey, hold up a bunch of 300-pounders and don't let them move you. And then, hey, in the, in the process while you're just throw them off you and make tackles. No big problem. They're only 320 and strong and athletic. It is crazy. And that's where I do think teams are hesitant with that because of the, all the things you stated. I had a great experience with Albert Hainsworth, right, in, in Tennessee Titans. I was there. With, with that conversation. I know we've talked about Brandon Marshall. It's a different position, but you know they were scared, I think, because of that aspect you talked about right there. Titans were scared to give Albert Hainsworth big money because they were afraid if they did, he might take his foot off the gas pedal a little bit, right? And you know, uh, eventually he signs with with the Commanders, the Redskins at the time, and gets paid. And, but kind of happened that way. Took his foot off the gas. Exactly right. Exactly. Took his foot off the gas a little bit. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the whole. Well, and then and then Mike Shanahan, Mike Shanahan comes in and says, "I'm using a three four, and I'm making you a nose tackle in the three four, even though that's not what you do. Right? Even though that's not where you're comfortable. Yes. And that set the stage for there's a new sheriff in town. And I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that's how it happened. Exactly. It all went downhill after exactly. that once Shanahan took over because Hainsworth came the year before Shanahan did. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Minicamp speed round edition when this Tuesday. I almost said Monday because it does kind of feel like Monday to me, but it's not. It's Tuesday. But you had a day off. Edition of PFG Live continues right after this. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it's fun feeling like crap. Quite frankly, this is everybody out there practicing this weekend in rookie minicamp. None of these guys are ready to go yet uh, as far as ready to go in, in, uh, in practice. But go ahead, continue. Specifically with Jalen, what's your level of concern about his conditioning at this point? No. <laughs> uh, in I one word, and one that. word only, yeah. none. And that crap. And he said, nobody's in shape right. this time of year. Nobody's in shape. And if anything, they're in shape to go do the underwear Olympics and the pro day workouts. Like a lot of the training that's done after football season ends is focused on specific stop and start and yeah. run in a straight line and jump as high as you can, not football exactly. per se. And we've seen the stories over the year. Remember when the late Joe McKnight was thrown up all over the place when he was at his first workout with Rex Ryan in the Jets 14 years ago? or however long that was. You know, guys come in, and it's a rude awakening when they get to that first NFL practice and they haven't been practicing football. And I think the coaches, some of them, take a certain amount of glee in the welcome to the NFL aspect of it. But, yeah, they'll be in shape. They'll be in shape at the appropriate time, right? at the appropriate place, and uh, there's no reason to be concerned about anyone's conditioning for now. We know how to get guys in shape. We'll get them in shape, and they'll be ready to go. No, that, 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 that's exactly right. It, it's too early to be judging things like that at this point. 
You know, everybody, yeah, and nerves are playing into these, you know, conversations. That makes, you know, more short of breath. You're thinking a lot. You're out of your element altogether. You've just moved to a new place. I mean, there's so many things that go into, you know, not being at your best right away, let alone, like you said it, they've been training for the combine. They have the draft, you know, during the week before the draft. And the draft is the first time all year they kind of get to go, oh, wait, I could take a break because they've been going right from college football into training for the combine and the draft and all that. And, you know, again, like we talked about with Jalen Carter, he's at the perfect spot. He's at a spot with great leaders and people around him that know him. Nick Sirianni's the man. He ain't going to let this stuff manifest or go, right? This is the problem with Jalen Carter working out at his pro day in Georgia. Now people want to make this a story because, oh, he didn't look like he was in shape that day, right? That's where the one thing we, we wish he didn't do that because now it gives everybody this question about him all the time. But, you know, I think Sirianni and the Eagles will do a great job of handling this whole situation. Yeah, look, they, they understand what they're getting into. They've got the support system there, and it's very early in the process, and they're going to work him into the right kind of shape that they need him to be in to perform. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year without a traditional number one receiver, a guy who stretches the field, commands double coverage, gives defensive coordinators nightmares as they prepare for the next game against that team. Now they've had Kadarius Toney there. They picked him up in October of last year in a trade with the Giants. There's a chance he develops into the successor to Tyreek Hill. Here's Brett Veach, GM of the team, talking about the potential limit, if there is one, to Kadarius Toney's game. You know, everyone knows about Kadarius and how talented he is. And, you know, Kadarius can do anything on the field. He can line up inside, outside, running back, quarterback. I mean, he can do it always quarterback back in his day. So, um, again, we just like to put talent out in the field. And, and coach will find ways to put these guys in different positions and different formations and different sets. And, look, he said more than that, too. Basically, they understand that he hasn't been used – necessarily in a vertical field stretching way either at florida or with the giants yeah right you get him to the point where remember when antonio brown left the steelers and they tried to make juju smith shoes to the number one receiver until they realized he's not fast enough to be a number one receiver you have right. to be fast enough to get this the safety to shade over exactly to be that guy that, right. that just causes consternation for the defenses who where is he where is he where is he that's what you need to be a number one guy and here's my concern chris yeah if he becomes that guy who does what Tyreek Hill used to do, is that good or bad for the Chiefs? Well, Because yeah. remember one of the concerns was Mahomes holds the ball too long waiting for the guy to get open deep. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. you know, now, listen, it, it's not Tyreek Hill's speed, right? This guy's fast. He's got a shiftier element than Tyreek Hill and the ability maybe to break your ankles and make you miss and look silly that way as compared to, to Tyreek Hill. But... You know, hopefully this year, to your point of what you're saying, they're taught Mahomes. Hey, wait, me uh, by committee is damn good. And by committee and me just doing the right thing to the quarterback position, everybody gets the ball and we win games. And, the, you know, coach will, coach, up, coach will dial up enough plays to where, you know, a guy like Kadarius will be number one on my radar a lot. I think the, the, hopefully there, there was a learning process of that this year. But – Tony is superstar talent, to your point, Mike. I mean, it's, it was as we saw with the punt return, the touchdowns, right? I mean, this is a guy that, yeah, the Giants, I think, saw a lot of the talent, too. It was just injuries and maybe not the right personality mix. But the Chiefs are magical that way. They can bring personalities in, and it's the Mahomes factor and Travis Kelsey and everything to go along with it. They got a they got a potentially very, very good receiving core there in Kansas City with some of these guys they got on the roster now. We talk all the time about Andy Reid and how he's a great quarterback whisperer. I mean, I think he's a guy who can speak to yes. a player who maybe didn't fit somewhere else right. or there's some issue or there's some problem. I mean, I don't know what it is, but he's got the right touch where he gets the most out of guys who maybe had issues elsewhere. And there's something that was clearly wrong in New York. Something. For Gadarius Tone. Right. Whether it was a Joe Judge thing, I don't know. But something got that relationship off on the wrong foot, and they were unable to get it back where it needed to be, even with a new GM and a new head coach last year. So they decided to move on, and it worked out perfectly. Super Bowl win in his first year in Kansas City, and now the opportunity to be the number one guy, and the contract that would go along with it 
after year three of his first round contract, which is only going to pay him like $1.9 million, he'll unlock some significant riches for himself if he becomes that number one guy in Kansas City. All right, uh, the Ravens, John Harbaugh recently discussing the possibility of bringing back Marcus Peters. And I, his name just trends on Twitter randomly. I'll see it pop up because all these Ravens fans want Marcus Peters back. They want Marcus Peters back. Here's John Harbaugh on whether or not Marcus Peters is coming back. I don't think he'd ever, ever really close the door on any, any personnel move. You know, uh, whoever it might be, uh, you know, if you, you probably ask me about Marcus and whatever other corners are out there, I, I would say, you know, you don't close the door on good players and good people. We'll see how it goes. That didn't sound like a ringing endorsement. I don't know. The door's not closed on any personnel move. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's something there that we don't know about. It's not like they're going to wear it on their sleeve. But if they really wanted him back, he'd be back. And at a certain point, if they don't bring him back, I think that tells you what they think of him. Well, yeah. And, and of course, that too, what what's he asking for price, right? And he's getting at that age there where – yeah, you play corner and teams don't want to throw long-term deals out or big money. So he's a little bit stuck in that transition. You know, he's not far removed from uh, an ACL injury. Last year was his first year back, right? So there's all those signs of like, wait, we can't give this guy big money or a long-term commitment. We need to see maybe a little bit more, right? And then, of course, we don't know what he's asking. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if it all came back to where he was with Baltimore once he starts to realize the lay of the land and, and what's out there for him to get. I think it's a, still a team, like we talk about all the time, that knows him, they respect him, they like him, they've wanted him, they've traded for him. You know, and and you know, he's got a Baltimore Raven-type attitude. He fits within that culture. It's in your face. I'm going to cover you and shut you down, Right. Uh, they, they're always looking for DBs with as, as much as they do on the defensive side of the ball. And they they do lack proven commodities there right now. You look at their secondary and you go, okay, Marlon Humphrey, sure. And then they got a lot of other guys that have kind of been around. They got a Daryl Worley, right? You got Rocky Sin, who they just signed. Yeah, they'll be nice compliments to the defense, but not difference makers or guys you trust on an island. So that's where I could see maybe Marcus Peters getting back in the fold as we go on here through the spring. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Texans owner Cal McNair with some comments about his role or lack thereof in the decision to select C.J. Stroud with pick number two in the 2023 draft. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, so the Texans, as we know, resisted the noise, the negativity, the effort by someone to get C.J. Stroud to slip and slide and not be taken at number two or three or four or so on. It didn't work. The Texans held firm, and they took him. Yesterday, Cal McNair says that he and his wife didn't pressure the Texans in any way, shape, or form to take C.J. Stroud. Hannah and I don't make the picks. We'll make it clear there. Now, look, any time an owner feels compelled to say that, I start to get suspicious because it should be implied it shouldn't even need to be said that ownership is or isn't making the picks. 
But again, you own the team. You have preferences. You have things you like. You have things you don't like. You have things you want to do. You have things you don't want to do. And the people who work for you, if they're smart, are going to at least factor in what they're picking up from you in making their assessment of what they should do with the draft picks held by the team that you own. I think it's ridiculous to assume that there's a firewall between ownership and the football operation when it comes to something that important. And if there is a firewall, they're doing it wrong. Because at some level, this is a business decision. This is a football decision. It's a business decision. It's a franchise decision. It is the kind of thing that alters the course of the business that the people own. You don't just go hide under the bed when this decision is made. You're involved in it at some level. And if you're not, you're doing it wrong. Well, now I, I, that I doesn't mean you should totally be saying agree with all you, that. You, you should be. I, I look. I, I if you're going to own the team, and Why? we've talked about this before, right? But I mean, let, let me. Okay. Let me, let me. There's a sweet spot. There's a, Let me finish. There's a sweet spot. Okay. You want to be around. You want to be involved. You want to show everyone that you give a crap. You don't want to be an absentee landlord. It's not an investment property. You care. You care about it. You care enough to be involved enough to the limit of your ability. You don't usurp the authority of the people you've entrusted with the keys to your football operation. But that doesn't mean you just you just you have no say, you have no voice, you have no after you've taken the information, it's your team. It's that at, at some point you I think it's okay for the owner to be involved. There's a level where I think you should be involved otherwise you create the impression that, that you're too detached. From the fate of the organization. That's the sweet spot. It's not easy to find, but I think that's the sweet spot right. that every owner should aspire to be. In. I, I hear you. Well, well the, 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 so you, but like if you're getting involved in the draft pick, you're not in the sweet spot. You're the annoying owner that has, says too much and doesn't know enough about football. You know, history has shown us there's a sweet spot. Yeah, right. I mean, look, look, we can we can look at one owner right now and go, wait, there's one owner that's involved in everything and they can't get to the NFC championship game for three decades. Right. So he's, we certainly, he's the general manager. Too. I know. So I, I'm just saying he's still the he owner. gave himself the title. I know. Well, he's in he's an expert right. in everything like all billionaires. He knows oil. He knows football. He knows politics. He knows everything. Right. So there's nothing we can do. We just got to listen to it. So but I don't I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's right. Again, he won three Super Bowls doing it the other way. Just sitting back going, let me listen to the experts. Right. And that's where I still think is the, the, the greatest franchise in history. You're right. They found the sweet spot. Right. DeBartolo. He knew how to push Bill Walsh's buttons. He trusted Bill Walsh, but he knew how to push his buttons to make him coach the team harder. Right. There's there's that. And then even Mr. Kraft with Bill Belichick, same thing maybe. You know, he's hovering around, he lets his thoughts be known, he's keeping things on, but he's never going to get too involved and not let Bill Belichick, who he knows is the man in this department, do those type of things. I think we can go even to Art Rooney in the 70s. It'd be very similar to that as well. Um, so you're right, there's a fine, there's a, there's a sweet spot. And like with Cal McNair in this one, Mike, to like your point, yeah, you'd be chopping off the leg of power already for your new GM and your new head coach right away to go, oh, wait, now this is – I hired you. I trust you. You run football, but I'm going to tell you who to pick here. I know it's not a new GM. It's a new head coach. But, yeah, I just don't love that aspect or wouldn't want an owner intruding too much, I guess is what I'm saying. And here's the other reality, and this is one of the things that fascinates me and that I love about covering the NFL. You've got these billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar businesses that are finely tuned and equipped with high-level achievers who are responsible for everything, things that we know about, things we don't know about, things we think of, things we don't think of. And then they're ultimately owned and operated by monarchies where Cal McNair had to pass no test whatsoever other than DNA to become the owner of the Houston Texans. He inherited it from his dad. He has no qualification, objectively, to own or operate an NFL team. He has no experience owning and operating a team other than that which he got the moment his dad died and he got the keys to the car. That's fascinating to me because there's no guarantee that the kid is going to know what he's doing. And look at what the Texans have been in the early years of Cal McNair's tenure. I would say... As objectively as possible, there has been little evidence that Cal knows what he's doing. 
So maybe the best move he's ever made is to go hide under the bed when it was time to make the pick. Maybe he should stay completely out of it because if he's been involved in it and the whole Jack Easterby thing and he was under his spell in this weird sort of way and it, it, it just it hasn't gone well for Cal McNair. No. And this is the opportunity for it to finally turn around. That That's right. And I think, you know, again, I, I know it's not always foolproof, but, you know, you're, I think you're saying we're saying the same thing. Sweet spot, whatever. The the teams that have been the most successful seem to have an owner that knows how to support the head coach and do that. You know, whether that's Stan Kroenke and the Rams and what we've seen. You know, we see Jeffrey Leary and the Eagles going on right now. You know, the the Chiefs and all that. Like you said, there's that sweet spot there. And I, I think there is something to that. And, you know, I'll, I'll give Cal McNair credit for not getting involved and, and, and letting his opinion maybe too, you know, known too strongly there, which is easy to do. Like you said, he's a billionaire. He owns a team. It's his right to do it. And it's the number two pick and it's business and all that type of stuff. But, you know, again, I think through history, we've seen it better when the owner knows how to kind of let the football people do the football thing and they can kind of guide off of that a little bit. It's the one thing that doesn't get discussed nearly enough. The fans are stuck with the owner. The team is stuck with the owner until the owner decides to sell or the owner moves on to the great skybox in the sky. But um, the the reality is there isn't a damn thing you can do. Jed York said it eight, nine years ago when the 49ers were in their annual dysfunction. You can't fire the owner of the team. No, you can't, but sometimes you wish you could. And sometimes <laughs> right. you wish that somebody would just cash out and move on. Hey, Cal. Why not sell to Jeff Bezos? He's a Houston native. Sell to somebody. And there's no guarantee. We just assume Jeff Bezos is going to be some franchise savior. There's no guarantee he knows what he's doing either. That he'll find the sweet spot. Maybe he'll decide, I've been successful with everything else. I sell books. I launch rockets. I can figure out how to run a football team. Let me make myself the general manager of the team. Who knows what Bezos is going to, is going to want to do if he ever owns a team. So that's just that's part of the fun of this. But it's also got to be very frustrating for a fan of a team. You have to deal with an owner who may not be fit to be an owner of anything, much less a football team. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We're going to do a draft today. Offensive players most crucial to the development of young quarterbacks. Highly specific, but potentially intriguing. PFT Live Draft. We'll bring that to you right after this. Kudos to Ricky Jackson, Ricky Jackson, Ricky Jackson, Ricky Jackson, not a rookie, 65 years old, back at Pitt, getting his degree. Wow, that's amazing. Gotta love that. That's amazing. Uh, Number well 57 of the Saints well done, back in the Ricky day. Jackson. Damn, I used to love watching him play. I used to like watching him hit Big Phil on occasion, right? Him and, and Pat Swilling and Sam Mills. Damn, that was a good defense right there. I'm sure Big Phil would not be happy to hear you say that you uh, used to enjoy watching those guys hit dad. <laughs> I, Although, I was there ever a time? Right. Was there ever? Let me ask you this. Yeah. And then we can get to the draft. Yeah. Was there ever a time when, like, you were mad at your dad because of something you got in trouble for something and you thought it was unfair? So you're actually rooting that someone would hit him during a game <laughs> no, while you were no, watching a game? No, there never was. No, no. I will say, like, never. Ne absolutely not. Never. And, it, you know, again, back in those days, as you alluded, to all the time with the green cement and the lack of rules like you feared for your dad right I mean I, I watched my dad in the 1987 opening Monday night game asleep on the field knocked out from the Bears and then come back in like five plays later right so that's the error so you were you were fearful more and you know it's okay to watch back now I watch old highlights and I can chuckle and go oh man look at oh look at they crushed big Phil there now I can chuckle but not back when it was happening all right, offensive players most crucial to the development of young quarterbacks. Go. All right, I'm gonna. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to pick one specific player for a broader topic here altogether. But Quentin Nelson's where I'm going to go to start this off. Quentin Nelson had the worst year well of done. his career last year. He was the arguably the best guard in football. You know, for four or five years in a row, he fell off. That offensive line fell off. He's got to be the leader of that group there. Get them going once again. And if they want to make this Anthony Richardson thing go, they got to run the ball not only with him but Jonathan Taylor, and that allows him to develop in the passing game. So I'll go with Quentin Nelson to start it off. 
I'm going to go with a young offensive player who is going to be crucial to the development of his young quarterback, Christian Watson. We saw what he could do last year once he got comfortable with Aaron Rodgers, comfortable with Jordan Love from the get-go. We see the potential. We know what he can do. Watson is going to be a key to getting the most out of Jordan Love. Yeah, I, I agreed there. I mean, that that's going to be, you know, big for him. Uh, as far as, you know, getting those guys the ball, can they get easy completions and get some cheap cheap yards that way, right? You know, that, that that's certainly. Uh, and screen passes, like we talk about, get a little rhythm, get a little confidence going. Even though it's a five-yard throw, it ends up being a 20-yard gain, you start to feel good about yourself. All right, I'm going to go to Houston, right? And I'm going to go to Damian Pierce, running back uh, for the Houston Texans. Yeah, he's crucial. Right to to C.J. Stroud's development, it's Bobby Slovic who came from the 49ers. It's the Shanahan scheme. We know running the ball is going to be you know a primary focus. His ability to run the ball, how successful he can be, is only going to make C.J. Stroud's life easier off the play action pass, which they know they they want to do more than anything else. So Damian Pierce will be my second pick, Mike. Yeah, Damian Pierce had a great rookie year. We yes, just overlook did. it because the Texans were right. so bad. I'm going to go to Pittsburgh because they need to develop Kenny Pickett. Now, originally I was going to say Najee Harris, but, you know, I was reflecting on my conversation from last week with Omar Khan, the Steelers GM. You can see the full conversation at the NFL on NBC YouTube page. I think Allen Robinson is a key to Kenny Pickett's overall development. Mm. I, I think they know what they have in Allen Robinson. They've been watching him for a long time. That's, that's They've known saying, him right? for a long time. Yeah. They right. scouted him coming out of Penn State. Right. The moment they acquired him, I thought, uh oh, uh oh. Yeah. They know. Right. They, they got their they got their file from twenty fourteen <laughs> and they know <laughs> yeah. what they're getting in Allen Robinson. And I think he's gonna be a key to getting the most out of Kenny Pickett. We'll do one more round when we wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. There are selections so far. The offensive players crucial to the development of young quarterbacks. One round to go. Chris, who do you got? All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with like uh, kind of my draft theme here of those guys. But Bijan Robinson, who's I'm going with next. Yeah, I mean, you want Desmond Ritter to work down in Atlanta? Well, what a better way to make it work than have a guy like Bijan Robinson run for 1,500 yards and another 500 receiving and whatever else. I mean, that is going to be crucial to the success of their football team. That's why they drafted him in the top 10. And, of course, it takes a little pressure off of Desmond Ritter. Do you sometimes say Dijon instead of Bijan? I don't think so. I think I've said Bijan. Did I, did it, are you saying you've heard me say Dijon, or are you just asking me that? I just think that maybe you said Dijon earlier. I don't think I did. But, I don't know. know, but you're old a little too and you've been sick, so maybe you're not hearing that no, clearly. Great, great. <laughs> maybe we're trying to engineer a great Poupon sponsorship for Bijan yeah. Robinson. Um, let me go back to the guy we talked about earlier, Bryce Young. Right. Now, they traded DJ Moore out of Carolina, but you know, I, I don't think it was an accident they brought in Adam Thielen and paid him all that money. That's right. I mean, think about Thielen's experience, smarts, Right, how yeah. he can manipulate the coverages and right. working with Bryce Young. Help the other you young need receivers. smart players on the other side to, yeah. to get the most out of what Bryce Young is doing. And a guy who's been there and done that. Right. I, I think Thielen is going to help Bryce Young in ways that we haven't would quite agree. imagined. Yeah, would agree. He's got a great support right. system. That's in it for today. Account. See ya. I survived. No days off. No days off. I'll be back off. tomorrow. No days off. Dead. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.